Hello, everyone. Welcome to Timing is Everything, How to Leverage Sales Enablement to Capitalize on Buyer Intent, a podcast from CG Life. My name is Chris Connor. I am the producer and the host of Life Science Marketing Radio, but I'll be your host for this short series on sales enablement from CG Life. Today, my expert guests are Michael Allen, Vice President of Marketing at Metrome. Welcome, Michael. Thanks, Chris. And Chuck Miller, President at The Market Element, a CG Life agency. Chuck, good to have you. Thanks again for having us. My pleasure. All right, just to set the stage, the market today is more heavily fragmented into short-term interest and longer-term opportunities. And it takes agility to be able to respond to both and maintain our commitment to a more personal, less transactional process. So short-term opportunities need clarification, quick quotations, and installations. Longer-term opportunities need consistent nurturing by sales and marketing to remain front of mind when the funds are ready to be released. So with that background, Michael, given the complex nature of selling scientific instrumentation with inherently long sales cycles, what sales and or marketing strategies have you seen work effectively to identify and or engage with buyer intent? Yeah, thanks, Chris. The real lesson I think I learned here was from a mentor of mine that said, if you really want to know what the customer is thinking, just ask. And we've moved to really direct qualification questions at Metro at every opportunity that we can to try to drive clarity uh, in our marketing qualified leads. We used to use a more indirect approach and found the sales team really appreciates a direct question and the uh, clarity that direct question brings. The sales process takes a lot of energy and they need to figure out where to focus that energy and with all of the touch points and possible touch points in their lives it's really important that we um, give them as much clarity as we can about the person that they're going to interact with and and their buying intent lead scoring i think is another area that's really helped us but it requires iteration and feedback from the sales team to adjust the parameters and adjust that scoring as uh, conditions change in the market so you're talking just for clarity, my curiosity, you're talking about asking those direct questions, for example, online when yeah, yeah. you're interacting. Exactly. So in our response forms, it's not ambiguous about when their purchase time frame is or what types of follow-up they want. We, When we do our lead generation activities, we put responses in there that really drive clarity. We tried some more ambiguous questions in the past, but the sales team, like I said, really appreciates a little bit higher degree of clarity about the customer's intent. All right. So how would you define sales enablement to a member of your marketing team? Sales enablement is really just a collection of marketing tools that are used to gather information about the customer's level of interest and then the follow-on sales tools that are used to leverage that interest. Customers are more self-serving these days and they can move quickly and they also expect a lot of support when they're looking for an instrument. So we need good content delivery and sustained connections to those customers to achieve that. Yeah. 
Chuck, you also, well, of course, as an agency, you work with a number of companies. So what have you seen in this area? Yeah, you bet. In working with various clients spanning multiple different industries, I personally have not come across a standard definition or accepted set of practices for sales enablement. But that being said, most of our clients are increasingly interested in developing new ways of empowering their sales team to increase revenue and also shorten those sales cycles. Generally speaking, I'm seeing many of my clients increasingly put more strategic emphasis and resources around that sales and marketing alignment. We're using technology, different tools and content. This in turn empowers the sales team with that timely and contextual information to better facilitate those interactions with leads and opportunities. Putting this all into context within scientific instrumentation, I believe the majority of the industry are still early adopters when it comes to leveraging sales enablement practices. However, like industry leaders like Metrum are really embracing sales enablement as an overall strategy to better serve future customers and providing that timely and contextual engagement. Michael, if your sales team or CEO asked you the same question about defining sales enablement, how would you answer them? When the audience changes to the sales team or the, the CEO, I think it becomes more about proof and and persuasion. So my answer would focus more on KPIs and the ROI associated with our investment. We use really good data in our marketing program to track what's happening with the customer uh, as they interact with our sales and marketing material. And we use tools like a rep competency scoreboard and uh, full purchase tracking to really make data-driven decisions about our tools and tactics that we go to market with. So the evidence that comes from all of these different KPIs that we watch really make us feel good about the investment that we're making. Can you say a little bit more about that rep sales competency scoreboard? Yeah, it's it's really cool. So you've got to align your sales team's ability to follow up with the leads that you generate. And obviously when we go to a particular market area and try to drive demand, we need to make sure that when we generate that demand, the sales team can follow up on it. And the sales team has enacted a series of different competency checkpoints, and they test those checkpoints on a technical level and on a market level to make sure that they're up to speed and continuously improving in the way that we address the market and and follow up with the customer. All right. There are... um a lot of things that enable sales, tools, communication, content, and training. Which of those might be the single most important aspect? Yeah, Chris, I think I would pick one that actually wasn't on the list. I would pick cooperation. I think cooperation takes all of the above and adds an element of teamwork and trust to it. Um, If you talk about tools, communication, content, and training, It's hard enough with a disconnected and remote sales team. Communication sometimes limits what we can do in in this respect. And marketing absolutely needs the information that comes back from the hand-to-hand combat that the reps are engaged in to drive continuous um, improvement of these programs. So there's a feedback loop between sales and marketing that that has to be established. And without that teamwork and trust, our our programs just are not as effective. Okay. So Chuck, what do you see differences in 
di- what different clients lean on with respect to tools or content or training? Yeah, absolutely. We are actually seeing very effective implementation of sales enablement through marketing automation driven workflows that are constructed for the sales team to enroll their leads into specific nurturing content tracks that best address their needs or interests at the time. These personalized uh, email uh, drip campaigns can facilitate that ongoing engagement. Our data shows that the, these workflows, for example, are performing very well and help scale quality sales communications. Other tactics that have worked are these marketing-inspired and driven sales training sessions where the marketing team actually helps inform and educate the sales team on the, like, the latest trends within the industry and trend. We've seen these, this training content come in multiple different forms, what through webinars and emails and infographics. And one other thing I wanted to point out too, one interesting tactic that's developed over the course of the last year is a collaboration effort between some marketing and sales teams to generate these automated LinkedIn outreach programs. So we're leveraging tools like Sales Navigator and automated tools called DuckSoup. And these campaigns, based on our data, are outperforming other kind of ad programs available through LinkedIn. So again, it's that uh, ability to break down these silos between sales and marketing and just increase that information for the sales team to help them do their job better at the end of the day. Michael, how do you address the, quote, old school sales philosophy of relationships or pounding the pavement? when marketing was just ads and brochures. So in other words, how do you win hearts and minds with a sales enablement mindset? It's really just a collection of tools and I don't see it so much as old versus new. I see sales enablement driving reach uh, and speeding response. Like Chuck said, the ability to automate emails and change the way we approach customers gives both sales and marketing an agility that we didn't have in the past. I think the customer responds to both old school and next-gen tactics. The key is balance and sharing the responsibility amongst those two teams. Who does what? How do we know what they're doing? And how do we improve it? There's kind of a kind of an awkward part in the middle of the whole sales process where marketing has generated the demand with a marketing mindset, but we need that personal touch of a salesperson, as you would say, pounding the pavement to to come in and, and deliver that personal touch to the customer to drive the sale to completion. And how has sales enablement changed? What have you seen in the last five to 10 years? I would say the overall marketing has become a lot more involved in the sales process. Uh, A lot of our customers in the scientific instrument industry, their expectations are driven by the same type of e-commerce options that they have in their personal life. We know customers are doing more and more independent research and therefore we need to really focus on how we deliver our value propositions through the content that we put out into the market. We have to differentiate ourselves earlier in the process because the customer mindset is often to some extent made up before a salesperson even comes into the process. And I would say lastly, here at Metrome, we've been discussing what can we do at the bottom of the sales funnel with emails and and content to help really complement the salesperson as they look to close the sale. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Chuck, what have you seen around the bottom of the funnel, for example? Yeah, you bet. With respect to the scientific instrumentation industry, it does require more of a consultative and education mindset that is emphasized not so much on pushing features and specifications, rather making that persuasive case as an overall value this instrument will deliver to your lab or the bottom line. At the end of the funnel, I'm a proponent of equipping the the sales team with the timely content to help communicate and validate the instrument value proposition and also emphasizing the service and support post-sale. And so we talked about the last five to 10 years. Michael, how has sales enablement changed during (laughs) COVID over the last five to 10 months? Yeah, uh, it's been obviously an unprecedented time and certainly uh, a challenge to respond to the dynamics in the market. For sure, we've seen protracted sales cycles and limited access that the virus has brought in the last few months. We're really trying to drive strong engagement with learning and educational seminars and webinars as more folks are working from home and spending less time in the lab, they have time to engage with this content like they haven't in the past. And so we've seen some really strong success there. Obviously, with scientific instruments, demos are a huge part of the sales process. And we've moved a lot of those to virtual platforms with some strong success. We're able to use video and and conferencing to fully demonstrate an instrument's capability, much like we would if we were in person. And to some extent, I think that's changed. And it, it might be a permanent change in how we deliver demonstrations to our customers in the future. Obviously, we need to fully figure out what a virtual life means for us and and how we navigate virtual events. There's quite a difference there. And our sales and service reps, I would say, have been absolutely critical to getting that feedback from the market. In particular, service reps have been critical in getting access to customers and really finding out what's happening in those laboratories. So certainly an, an interesting dynamic in the market right now and we're looking forward to maybe some normalcy in the next few months but certainly we have made a really strong pivot here at metrome to address the challenges of the coronavirus yeah a lot of people talk about how COVID is just accelerating things that were already beginning to happen i think it's exciting that you say Um, Not that people aren't in the lab, but they're dividing their time and now they have more time to consume that content when they're working from home rather than interrupting them, you know, when they're in the middle of something. Absolutely. We've seen quite a strong spike in engagement. And also, I would say, a surprisingly high level of, of purchase interest. Again, these cycles are just getting delayed more than anything, but the demand is still out there in the market. Chuck, what barriers to sales enablement do you see companies struggle with even during normal times? Yeah, so I, I still think the biggest barriers to sales enablement are the companies that kind of use sales and marketing functions as silos you know, whereby the management makes marketing to be solely focused on lead generation and sales completely focused and on closing deals. I think that ultimately by breaking down those barriers and having that better alignment and coordination and cooperation, as Michael mentioned earlier, it's just going to really accelerate that sales enablement piece. And overall, this will just make the overall buyer's journey become way more personalized and effective, in my opinion. 
Yeah, that's it's always it's the never ending struggle, but it sounds like you're making some progress around that. Michael, do you see any sales enablement trends that will become rooted in your organization in your long-term future? I think sales enablement demands improvement in content and delivery across the organization. Chuck focused all a lot on that handoff between marketing and sales and the, the silos of responsibility. But ultimately, our our organization, whether it's in service or support, or life cycle nurturing events that happen with the customer, we're going to continue to invest in getting closer to the customer because sales enablement ultimately results in customer enablement. And that's what really what we're looking for here at Metro. We continuously improve our tools we use to connect with customers and, and drive a higher frequency of, of interaction to establish that partnership. That's the main goal and one of the big changes I see for sales enablement throughout the organization. Yeah. So we've, we've covered a lot here today, and I think people listening are definitely going to learn a few things, and there's some good news out there for them. But to wrap it up, Chuck, what do you think is the most important thing listeners should take away from this discussion? At the end of the day, I see sales enablement as a forward extension of customer service. By architecting a better sales experience for potential buyers before they become customers, you're setting your brand apart from your competition when it comes to service and support. As I mentioned earlier, it's more than just uh, transacting an instrument sale. It's also conveying to the, the future customer that you understand their needs, interests, and through technology, we can add relevancy of timing to those communications based on buyer intent. I do believe that at the end of the day that good sales enablement requires timing, content, and context. And that's the, the one thing I want to leave listeners with today. That sounds great. Thanks very much. So, Michael Allen and Chuck Miller, thank you so much for your time today. This has been really informative. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Really enjoyed it. My pleasure. 